All right, today we are going to continue the series that we started last week called Two Steps Forward, One Step Back as we look at our life of faith and the times that we're doing well and the times we step back in the midst of that. We're looking at the life of Abraham and, and what happened We're gonna over the next four weeks. We're just spending some time with Abraham, the father of our faith, and seeing what it was like for him as he stepped forward and stepped back and what, what God was doing in his life. You guys, today we're going to get to hear from someone that if you've been around a cent for a while, you're going, oh good, finally we get to hear from Aisha again. We get to hear from Aisha Cox today. You guys, if, if you're new, just know that by the time you're done listening to Aisha, you guys are go, man, I'd much rather listen to her than Bill or Jim. So, uh, so we get to hear from Aisha, we get to hear her passion for Jesus. We get to hear her passion for the word. It's contagious. It's fun. You guys, let's welcome up Aisha Cox. Hey, church fam. Oh, I heard one hey back there. All right. Um, so as Bill said, I'm Aisha Cox, and my husband and I, shout out to my boo for bringing my little table, um, moved to Colorado from California two years ago to serve in the high school ministry. And I'm super excited this morning because my girls are not morning people like me. So a lot of them are here today. I see you, Julia. I see you, Caroline, Kayla, Laura, Erin. Is that Michaela over there? Hey, girl. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm so grateful that God has placed you on my life. And they actually have my back a lot. And they're, um, I'm just, I just love y'all. And I can't say too much because I'll get emotional. I also want to thank our pastors, Bill and Jim, who I call Uncle Bill and Uncle Jim, for giving me the opportunity to share with you all this morning. Now, before I get any further, there is something I feel I have to share with you all. So the past three times that I've been on stage, I've been in the midst of grief. In the past eight months, I've lost my grandfather, my aunt, and my uncle. And it has been really challenging. And grief is a process you can't run from. And it's honestly been a different experience every time. And I've questioned myself the same way I had the past three times. Can I really do this right now? Can I really go on stage and, and speak to everybody? And then God always reminds me of something. And this week he reminded me of this powerful truth. In my weakness, you're his strength is made perfect. And I don't know, maybe you came here this morning and you're feeling weak, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling burdened. Or maybe you've had a rough past few weeks, past few months even. I wanna encourage you this morning to grab hold of that same truth that I'm holding on to. In your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. Oh yeah, hey girl. Mm. Now, back to my regularly scheduled programming, I usually like to give like a quick little PSA before I speak, which to let you know, I love when y'all talk back to me, amens, yes, yes, you go girls, all of that, highly encouraged and appreciated. And I'm so excited that we're in this series called Two Steps Forward, One Step Backward, because I feel no matter where you are in your life, we can all relate to that. And last week, Bill gave us a good starting point, which is a book in the Bible called Genesis. So I'm gonna pray and we'll dive right in. 
God, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for every person who came here today, God. And Father, I just surrender this service. I surrender this message to you. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. God, we're listening. So speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to go ahead and read Genesis 12, verses 1 through 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Today we are focusing on Abraham's wife, Sarah. Now if you look at Sarah's story, you'll notice that her name used to be Sarai. There's a whole message and sermon that goes with that, but for today's sake, I'm just going to refer to her as Sarah. And when I look at these verses, it doesn't mention Sarah at all. It doesn't say your wife, um, your girl, your boo thing, your bae, nada. And I'm like, hmm, I find that interesting. Because initially, God doesn't mention Sarah, although she plays a significant role in this promise coming to pass. And today I want us to step in Sarah's shoes and look at things from her perspective. So Sarah's in LA, she's strutting on Melrose, hanging with her friends, having a good time, enjoying the beautiful weather. And then her husband, out of nowhere, gets a call from a 303 number and tells her they're leaving their family, their friends, all that she knows. Not to mention it snows where they're going. Okay, so this is a fashion adjustment for her. She has to get thermal, she has to get scarves, she has to get a down jacket, she don't even know what that is, Patagonia, uh, North Shore, I don't know what it is. Oh, and don't get me started on the adjustment for her hair. <laughs> okay, if you haven't caught on, I'm not talking about Sarah, I'm talking about me, because I have made a similar transition like Sarah. I get it. I get you, girl. We here. Well, we here for most of the part, but we here. And when God called Maurice and I, like he called Sarah and Abraham, it was very much like this verse. I knew Maurice was coming out here to be the high school director, but I didn't know what role I played in that. All right, back to my girl, Sarah. So when Sarah and Abraham leave their home, Sarah is about 65 years old and Abraham is 75. Sarah's barren, yet God says that he is going to birth a nation out of her. Take a moment and think to yourself, have you ever felt limited? Have you ever felt like I'm too much of this not enough of that, and because of something I did in my past, I'm disqualified to do or receive something? If I'm honest with y'all, I felt like that doing the very thing I'm doing right now. Preaching has brought up a lot of limitations for me. And today, I wanna to use Sarah's life to talk about three limitations that we will wrestle with when we are believing God for something. In Genesis 15, God speaks to Abraham in a vision, and he tells him that your son is going to be your heir. And that if you can go outside and count all the stars, 
that's how many your offspring will be. And I don't know if any of you have ever tried to count the stars. It's a whole lot. Some of them you're going to count twice. You're going to miss some. It's just a whole, a whole lot. And when we get to Genesis 16, about 10 years has passed. Sarah is still childless. As more time passed, it seemed harder and harder for her to fathom God birthing a child through her. So she thought God must have something else in mind. She waited long enough, 10 years, okay? She took matters into her own hands. Let's look at Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. Sarah giving Hagar to her husband as a substitute wife was a very common practice around that time. As a married woman who was unable to conceive, she was often shamed by her peers and often required to give a female servant to her husband. Let's pause here for a second. I'm a real big TV fan. I love TV. I love watching shows that are winning Emmys and Golden Globes. So do I have anybody in the building that watches The Handmaid's Tale? Okay, okay. Really good show on Hulu. And last year, it won the Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series. So I'm like, okay, I probably should check this out. I watch it, and I become a fan instantly. I'm also slightly disturbed because some of the things are a little, little bit hard to watch on the eye. And as I'm reading Sarah's story, I have a oh snap moment because I realize Sarah and Hagar could very well be in an episode of The Handmaid's Tale. Actually, Sarah could be one of the barren wives, which is one of the lead characters. Serena and Hagar could be the lead handmaid, Alfred. And if you haven't watched the show, it's a whole lot of drama with that. I didn't even read the scriptures that happen after this. It's more drama that happens that. And you know, as I said before, I can relate to Sarah a lot. But this is where I draw the line. I am not sharing what's mine is mine. Okay, okay. good, yes. Okay, ladies, feel me. Which leads me, I love y'all, it's my service. Which leads me to my first point. We need to believe God to carry out the promise on his timeline, not our own. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. We need to believe God to carry out the promise on his timeline, not our own. Sarah didn't run this idea by God. She didn't invite him into the decision-making process. And if we look again at verse 2, she says, perhaps I can have children through her. Girl, if you've given your husband to another man, I'm going to need you to be for sure. I'm going to need you to be certain. And the definition of perhaps is used to express uncertainty or possibility. And it's in this moment where Sarah goes from trusting God to trusting herself. God, you're taking too long, so I'm going to do things on my own. 
And there's a scripture in James that came to mind. Though also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I wanna be very clear. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not of works. But I believe when we're walking out our faith, that sometimes God is going to require an action step from us. Now, sometimes your action step will be for you to be still and let God do his thing. That's what it was for Sarah, but she got impatient. Other times, we'll have to go to God and ask him, God, what am I supposed to do? God, what is the work that you want me to do right now? Maurice preached, Mabu, an amazing sermon back in April about the waiting room. So if you're believing God for anything, please believe that there's a weight attached to it. And the challenge for us is going to be laying aside our timeline when we think things should happen and trusting God's perfect timing. Another limitation we will encounter when we're believing God for something is a limitation of fear. When I look at Sarah and I read her story, not only in that moment of perhaps does she take things into her own hands, but she also takes a step backwards and makes a decision out of fear. Think about it. God made this huge promise to Abraham. He said, I'm gonna birth a nation out of you. I'm not just gonna give you a happily ever after. I'm not just gonna give you twins. I'm not just gonna give you triplets. I'm gonna birth a nation out of you. I'm gonna give you a son to be your heir. And Sarah has to carry the burden that she can't produce. Fearful that her husband will miss out on God's promise due to her limitations. Because she's fearful in the fact that the promise won't come to pass, now she's thinking, how do I make it happen? And fear causes her to make a decision that ultimately becomes her backward step. Sometimes we can let those backward steps, which are typically mistakes we've made, to bring fear and shame into our relationship with God. We feel we no longer deserve God's promise. We feel we've disqualified ourselves from God's promise. We feel embarrassed, we feel guilty. We might even feel condemned. But let me remind you what it says in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So as believers, when we put our faith in Jesus, we have this helper, the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. And no, we will never be condemned, but we will be convicted if we do something we shouldn't be doing. So if I come to church and I'm smiling and I'm talking to everybody and I'm just super sweet and kind, but I left the house and I was cruel to my husband, I'm gonna get convicted or if I'm speaking to my parents or my grand grandma with a disrespectful tone, I'm gonna get convicted. And I thank God for that because I can ask for forgiveness, make the adjustment and continue moving forward. 
Now, before Beyonce was on the scene, my first favorite singer was Aaliyah. Mm, okay. mm -hmm. She had a song called Try Again. And in the chorus, it said this, if at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. I hear you girls singing. What is that backward step you recently made? I want you to get that on your mind and do this and dust it off. I saw one, two people do that. Where you at? Dust it off. What's that step? Okay, okay. Fear will cause us to hide from God's presence when we should be seeking God's presence. Think back to when you live with your parents. And for some of you, you don't have to think back that long because you're still living with your parents. You know when you got a bad grade or your teacher's in a note home and, you don't, and it's stapled all the way around so you don't know if it's a good note, you don't know if it's a bad note, or if you just did anything you knew you had no business doing. How many of you immediately went and told your parents, I'll wait, hmm, I see one little hand, okay, hmm. I think for most of us, we're gonna wait it out as much as possible. And if you're anything like me, when your parents come home, you're gonna pretend you're asleep so they can't do anything to you. <laughs> don't judge me, don't judge me. I've, I've grown, I've come a mighty long way. But you know, we can do the same thing when it comes to God's presence. Whether that means skipping out on church or no longer praying, no longer making time or saying we don't feel like being in the word, we don't feel like reading a verse a day. Or maybe it's avoiding that friend or that small group that will keep you accountable to that backward step. And even more so, they will encourage you to not get stuck in that backward step. I'm standing before you all today to tell you I've made a few backward steps in this call, in this call to Colorado. And it, it wasn't to Sarah's extreme, that situation, but I, I made some decisions. I had some attitudes that made me step back. And I was fearful, and there was a part of me that wanted to keep me there and say, no, you can't go forward. You don't deserve to go forward. But God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when you make those backward steps, when you make those mistakes, remind yourself that God does not want you to stay there. God does not give us a spirit of fear. God wants us to feel that and be like, I can move forward. I can come boldly to God's throne. I can be honest with him, and I can continue moving forward. The last limitation I want to talk to you all about is a limitation of circumstances. Now, I mentioned in the beginning that God initially did not mention Sarah in the promise, although she plays a significant role in this promise coming to pass. And from then until now, God is reassuring and giving Abraham confirmation of this promise and even giving him more details about it. In Genesis 17, he tells Abraham that Sarah, indeed, your wife, is going to birth you a son, and he's going to be named Isaac. 
But up until this point, Abraham was the only one getting the reassurance. He was the only one getting the added details. Up until Genesis 18, where Sarah gets to hear from God that she is going to bear a son. Let's look at that. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? So many of us can find ourselves in this position of being limited by our circumstances. I've struggled with this, or I've struggled with my mind, with my thoughts for so long. I don't think it will ever change. I've been single and serving Jesus, and I haven't been on a date in years. I don't know if marriage is still in the cards for me. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm not skilled in this area, I'm not trained in this area, I don't have family, I don't have support. God is so beyond what we can see in the natural. His ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. A big promise from God will require big focus from you. A big promise from God will require big focus from you. The more you are believing God for something, whether it's for your marriage, whether it's for your finances, whether it's for your children, whether it's for your career, um, whether it's for school, whatever it may be, it is going to require you to stop focusing on what's going on around you, to stop focusing on your circumstances, and to focus on Him and focus on His abilities. The point is we walk by faith and not by sight. And what that means is we are literally taking our eyes off what we see in the natural, off of our limiting circumstances, and we're putting them on Him. We're putting them on His promises. We're putting them on Scripture to encourage us despite our circumstances. Because I see this is going on. God, I see this limitation, but I trust, God, that you are able, that you will make it happen, God, that nothing is too hard for you, Lord. Got a little stirred up right there. That was for you, Bill. <laughs> comedic break, you know. And there's an instance in the Bible that really brought all this together for me. It's where Jesus is walking on water. And all the other disciples are like freaking out and they're scared. And they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Except for one disciple. Good old Peter. Peter tells Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. So Jesus says, come. So Peter, focus on Jesus, takes one step. He takes another step. He's walking on water, y'all, until he starts to focus on his circumstances. He starts to focus on what's going on around him, and there's a fierce wind, and he gets scared. 
And he takes a step back and he starts to sink and he's begging for Jesus to save him. We can focus on God so we are empowered to walk by faith or we can sink by allowing fear and doubt to creep in when we focus on our circumstances. We are gonna wrestle with limitations, y'all. Whenever we're believing God for something, and I'm sure many of you right now can think of something you're believing God for. We're gonna wrestle with the limitation of time. We want things done now, we want things done fast. How many of you wanna wait for 10 years for a promise? I know I don't, but we don't know when God's perfect timing is. We'll also be challenged with the limitation of fear Fear when I messed up, I made the wrong choice. And I have to push that fear aside and remind myself that I can go to God, that I can dust it off and continue moving forward. And again, our circumstances. It's real natural, real easy for us to look around and see our limitations, to see why we can't do something, to see why something can't happen for us, to see why something can't happen for our children, for our friends. And I was thinking about what could I leave you all with that would be memorable. And I found something really profound, really rich, really deep. And it wasn't from Martin Luther King Jr. It wasn't from Gandhi. It wasn't from a pastor. Check this out. All you can do in life is try to solve the problem in front of you. The limit is negative one. Oh, crap. I lost. That answer is incorrect. Now, we are in a sudden death. If Miss Heron can answer this problem correctly, we have a winner. Limits. Why couldn't I remember anything about limits? Limits. That was the week Aaron got his hair cut. Oh, God, he looks so cute. Okay, focus, Katie. What was on the board behind Aaron's head? If the limit never approaches anything, the limit does not exist. The limit does not exist! Our new state champions, the North Shore Mad Leafs. Talk to me, y'all. Was that not profound? Was that not? Okay. You go, Katie Heron. Mm-hmm. I want us all, including myself, to leave here today with that same revelation. The limit does not exist. Can y'all say that for me? The limit does not exist. Our limits are not God's limits. God is limitless. The limit doesn't exist when it comes to him. There's a verse in Ephesians, and it talks about God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above all that you can ask, imagine, or think according to the power that works in us. And I want to leave with this verse. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'm really asking you all this morning, is anything too hard for the Lord? Be encouraged, whatever limitation you may find yourself wrestling with, nothing's too hard for the Lord. Pray with me. God, I thank you so much for your word, for your truth, for highlighting 
the limitations that we all feel we face and wrestle with, but God, all the more highlighting that there is no limit with you. There is no cap with you, God. There is nothing impossible for those who believe, Lord God. I pray, God, that this verse, the fact that the limit does not exist is engraved in our heart and engraved in our minds today that we may be able to walk that out in our life and apply it in our life and encourage it to our family and friends. I pray this word falls on good ground, Lord. I thank you so much for what you've done and what you've shared. In Jesus' name, amen.